Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Uncut Gems podcast. I'm Kevin Kadish. I'm Nathan Chapman. And this is not a podcast about hit songs. This is a podcast about songs that were never hits, that probably should have been, and the stories behind them. On this podcast, we'll be talking to some of the world's most well-known and unknown songwriters about their uncut gems. So if you ever wondered about all those songs that are written that you never get to hear, guess what? You get to hear them now on the Uncut Gems podcast. Today's episode, we have Miss Kylie Sackley. You might know her from her Walker Hayes hit, You Broke Up With Me, or Sam Hunt Speakers. We're so happy to have you here. So, Kylie, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Just, you know, living the songwriter dream one no at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like waiting for what was going to come after dream. <laughs> I honestly wasn't sure what was going to come out then, but here we That'll are. That'll go in the highlight reel. <laughs> One no at a time. Yep. <laughs> How are y'all doing? Great. Been there. Uh-huh. Yep. Only takes one yes, though. Mm-hmm. So. That's what Lady Gaga says, right? 99 people in a room and only one needs to give you a yes. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I, when we lived in New York, we played at uh, pianos with her. Stephanie was her name back then. All of a sudden, she's called Lady Gaga. (laughs) She's the biggest artist in the world. We're like, when did that happen? Amazing. Speaking of one person saying yes, that would be 1%, right? Uh Uh-huh. So it only takes 1% of America to love what you do to have a three-time platinum record yeah who had a three-time platinum record i'm just saying like oh 330 million people in america sure one percent would be three million people so whenever someone brags like that record went three times platinum be like congratulations one percent of america really likes you (laughs) it's too early for math oh good grief (laughs) that's depressing but it's you know it's good to keep the perspective but she's right you know like one person says yes out of nine out of a hundred and you're a huge star and you're successful. So true. Yeah. yeah. So how did you end up in America? Um, well, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, seriously though, I'm seriously. Yeah. The short version of that is I was an artist that came up through Talent Quest in Australia, um, won everything you could win, came to Nashville to write for my first record and fell in love and also very quickly realized I don't want to be an artist. I like wearing my yoga pants to work and, you know, going home at the end of the day and not mm. not thinking about music and having, shaking having a, hands and kissing babies. Having, and, yeah, having a little normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. And That's songwriting's good. always been my number one. Did you write songs before you came to Nashville or did yeah. you sort of like learn in Nashville? No, I have been writing songs since I was nine. Oh, wow. Nine years old, writing all my dark and twisty little love poems in my diary in my bedroom, <laughs> dreaming of the, you know, high school boy who never Unrequi- noticed me. Unrequited. Love. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 In eighth grade, I didn't write a song for a girl that I had a crush on, but I did a remake of Ice Ice Baby. Oh. I would love <laughs> to see that. On a four track, on a Tascam four track. Oh, it wasn't a video? Oh, man. No, I recorded on a four track. I did my HR16, my Gibson Ripper bass, and uh, I had a DX7, and then the vocal was track four. I changed st- it to. You still have it? 
Hmm? You still have it? He's going to say no, but he oh, we does. Have got to play that we got to hear it. We have got to play that. Can that be my uncut gem if I ever have my own podcast, yes. my own episode? No, you didn't write it. So no, we just want to hear it so we can all I, I have, get an insight into your teenage years. Yeah. Well, so I gave her a copy. I bounced down the onto a cassette and I gave it to her in the hallway at school and Aww. she never spoke to me again. Oh, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> chance <laughs> I had. Oh, yeah. bless I had to put it. that sound effect in there. <laughs> Can but, I, and you became an American citizen. You went through that process. I did. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that because yeah. us knuckleheads that were born here, we don't know how hard that is, but I remember you kind of hinting that it was quite the ordeal Yeah, and you really had to earn it. Well, yeah, you have to study a lot about American history and I didn't become a musician because I enjoyed studying. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it was months of, um, background checks, practicing all the questions and I aced the test six out of six. Thank you very much. Gold star. And yeah, only six questions. Yeah. But out of the possibility of a hundred, so you have to know all so of them. So you have to know yeah. know the hundred. Oh. Mm-hmm. Give us an example of a question and answer. Like what would one of oh, the questions oh, be? I've and got, is, a, I've is got like a question a, for you. Okay. Oh, well, you, if you're going to stump us. This <laughs> one stumps all my American friends. Okay. This is crazy. I'm afraid right now. Yeah. We can edit this out if we fail. <laughs> no We have the power of the, of the razor blade here. No, it'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fine. Everyone's fine. We're fine. All right, go ahead. What year was the constitution written? Okay. I think it was 1773. No, 1774. You're both wrong. 1775. 1787, 11 and I had that on my test. What year was, was the like, Constitution written? Well, yeah. what did they sign then? The a Declaration of Independence. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, thinking of. That's what everyone thinks of. Man, got me. Because we weren't thinking yeah, of, we were thinking of a different document. So we went eleven years without the Constitution as a nation. It must and have been a shit show. Why are we right? having this conversation? Because we <laughs> seem like dum dums. Well, but proving that you not only moved to Nashville and fell in love with this place, but you you you're you belong even more now. I mean, you already belonged before your You're more American test, than but, we are. What, yeah. well, I mean, the only thing we have is overeating. I mean, what else is there? <laughs> I, I don't even really know where Montana is. So <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> tell me where Idaho it's is. It's over huh? there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that way. It's west yeah. of the Mississippi. Um, yeah. I had to fight really hard to become a member of society here and to be able to live out my dream of writing songs. So, you know, I don't take it for granted. I thought her dream was getting told no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Same thing, same thing. Same dream. So what was your first cut in Nashville? Um, Leanne Rhymes, uh, nothing about love makes sense. My first cut was my first single. Oh, so it was a single. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It was a top five. Thank you. Yeah, so I was kind of spoiled early because first cut, first single, that never freaking happens. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, she put it out. It was a top five hit and I was like barely 20 years old, this little punk 
country Aussie chick going, this shit's easy, man. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Said no one ever. Yeah. And then the years drug on and I realized how difficult it is still to this day to get a cut. I find when you, you, the further into your career that you get, the more you appreciate the successes. So true. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you're younger, it's sort of hard to appreciate it because you have nothing to compare it to because you haven't really had downtime yet. You haven't had like the valleys. All you've had was peaks, you know? Yeah. Like I started like you, like I was in bands forever. And then when I finally decided to be a songwriter full time, I just started having success. But I never, I never wrote songs for other people before. I only wrote for my own band. So, yeah. and then there is eventually a valley and you're like, oh shit, this is what it's like. You know what I mean? Well, the thing you don't realize when you're young is that being young and not really knowing the rules and bringing something different to the town is a huge advantage, advantage mm-hmm. that then, you know, and then you get older and you go, oh, I didn't realize what an advantage it was mm-hmm. just to be young and new yes. because people are all like interested in what you have to say. Because yeah, you, you haven't know. burned any bridges, you know, yeah. you haven't done anything stupid yet. You you're, know. you're fresh meat yeah. in yeah. the Oz in Asheville. You can be taken advantage of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. And then you get further along. And so that's one, one thing people are like trying to still do this. It's like, not only am I competing with, you know, younger people who don't have kids and don't. They have all kinds of time to just go to the red door yeah. and mingle, and network, yeah. and work yeah. till midnight or two in the morning, or whatever I used to do when I was in my twenties. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, and they're young with new ideas and all those other advantages. So the, I think you appreciate your successes too, because the older you get and the longer you do this, the harder it is to be successful in some ways. You know, it, it yeah, is because, for sure because I think that because there are new people coming in all the time, and and you can start to feel like, and the worst thing you can feel is irrelevant or out of touch. Yes. And I mean, I think that's why we continue to write with younger writers Mm -hmm. as much as to pass forward what we've learned. It's also to stay relevant and find out the vernacular because we're not going to know how 19 year olds talk because we are not 19 year olds. You know what I mean? So we need the authenticity of them co-writing with us to touch that market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise it's just poser-ish to me. Yeah. And it's been um, weird for me because when I first moved here, I was the baby in every writing room. I was the youngest and Mm. I've just turned 39 and I'm watching the kiddos come in in their dad shoes and their mom jeans and, you know, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm kind of getting up, up there. <laughs> Do you, you also know? think I really don't like that fashion coming back? I really don't. I yeah. will never wear a pair of mom jeans. No, no. They're very hip and I don't understand it. Me neither. Like, it's crazy. I see young kids walking around in cardigans, like grandpa sweaters. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, you smell weird. like mothballs. <laughs> or you look like you smell like you mothballs. You look like, I don't even have to smell you, you smell like mothballs. So right out of the gate, you had a big top five with Leanne Rimes, who, uh-huh. was, who is an amazing artist and at the time was pretty much at the top of the game. So what was your first, if you're living the dream one no at a time, what was your first big no that you remember where you were like, oh, I almost got on that record or I was on first I had the first single then I had the second single then I had a bonus track and then I didn't make the you know what tell us a story of one of those that you remember that really sticks with you of like your first big ouch well it was an ouch until it took a turn for a yay I love those Um, stories yeah so it was my second single Faith Hill Sunshine and Summertime 
John Rich called me and he was like, we've got the first single on the new Faith record. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got two back-to-back singles. I'm on a roll, (laughs) as they say in Nash. Um, And next thing I know, Mississippi Girl came out. and Didn't John write that one too? He wrote like the first three singles. And then he called again saying we got second single (laughs) and uh, pulled that from the table as well with, I forget what the second single was. And then Laurie McKenna got the third, which was Stealing Kisses, which I guess kind of tanked on radio. And I got the fourth call. I thought it was completely a goner. And they were like, Sunshine in Summertime, it's going to be fourth single. And it was also a top five, but it was like a lot of ouches until the, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> What's really interesting is that like, they don't really do four singles deep on an artist anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's a point of diminishing returns at this stage in the business in, in 2021, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, so even getting a single out of that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Especially when the third single tanked, they didn't just cut their losses and move on to the next record. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's well, kind it, of a miracle. I mean, mm-hmm. back back, it's weird to say back then, that wasn't that long ago, but it's a long time ago in the, in how the music business works. Yeah. You know, but back then you remember that albums only came out once every two years probably. Yeah. Right. So if you've got two years of, of space to fill and the third single doesn't do well and they pull it really quick, I guess then you can sneak a fourth one in. That makes sense. But nowadays it's like, there's so much music coming out so fast, you know, with the streaming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the long term is great with streaming. It's the short term. You can put it out and if it doesn't get traction right away, they're on to the next, Yeah, but people will listen to it forever. You know, even though we're not getting paid, Properly, I think I get on a soapbox about this, so I won't right now. Even though we're not getting paid properly about it, at least it will be listened to and generating revenue forever. Mm -hmm. Or until something legal happens that shuts those people down, which Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think it'll happen. I think they'll adapt, but it's a double-edged sword, right? Like we, Mm -hmm. and I talked about this the other day. I was like, it used to be so much easier to have a single. It used to be so much easier. You can make a living off of an album cut Mm -hmm. now. Like we talked about, you it has to have a story on TikTok before they go to streaming and push it, and because they have to, they have to sell it to the streaming DSPs, right? So, mm-hmm. and then once you get it on the DSPs, you have to have a streaming story to sell it to radio to play it. It's like a very, I know I'm, I, I talk about this a lot because it's people don't understand how hard it is to actually make a living, and what a miracle it is to have a single on radio. And not just in country music, in any genre of music. It's oh, yeah. it's harder than anyone thinks. And if you have a hit, everyone thinks that you're rich and set for life. And you're like, well, publishing deal, manager. Three like, three riders, three four riders. riders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The piece of the pie gets smaller. Taxes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you have to pay double taxes? Are you no. new citizenship or no? No. Well, I just make all my money here. Right. So America gets my taxes. Okay. Yeah. But that would suck. So how have you changed as a writer since you since you mm. first got here until now? Like, what do you feel like you wish you could have told Australian Kylie? Mm, that's pretty easy. I would have told her to get out of her own way. Because I was very stubborn-headed. I'm still pretty stubborn-headed, any of my... I mean, we've written, you know, you can attest to that, I'm sure. (laughs) But but stubborn in a good way. I mean, the thing that I'd say is that you have a really good sense of what is good and what's not good. 
and what's cool and not cool and what's usable and not. And you tend to separate those things really fast in real time. Mm -hmm. Like I like writing with you because you're very much aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some sessions you can just start going down a rabbit hole and it's fun or it's like a goofy idea that everybody likes or it's weird or, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like you're one to kind of like make sure that we're all heading down the right path as we're walking. I need a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say my younger self. Yeah. Just I was stubborn, but not with the skill that I have these days to warrant that stubbornness because hmm. I was still a little still in uh, artist mentality. So it was like, no, I don't think that's it. You know, I really think we should say this. See, but even saying that, like, there's always got to be an artist in the room, even if there's no recording artist in the room. Mm-hmm. If it's like three writers. Sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. It's not COVID. Don't worry. Oh, God. The <laughs> one time I've been out of the house in a year and a half. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, but I think somebody needs to be the artist in the right. And yeah. sometimes it's as much as I would never sing that. Mm-hmm. That lyric is like ridiculous or like, yeah. like if I wouldn't sing it, why would anybody else sing it? Mm-hmm. You know, and you can feel it. You were an artist. You were an artist. I was an artist. Like at some point you have to sort of like say, whoa, guys, this is not right. Like mm-hmm. who's going to sing this? It's, it's not the way people talk. It's not the mm-hmm. way people connect yeah you know so saying that you didn't have the uh, the skill might not be completely accurate you you might have just been stubborn yeah yeah well (laughs) we like our own ideas a lot more when we're younger than we do when we're older sure totally you know um I guess I've also just as I've let go of the reins a little I've found because I, like I said, I like a roadmap, but some days with certain specific artists, a roadmap isn't necessary. It's sort of like just follow the inspiration and I've come up with some really incredible songs like that. So I don't know. It's knowing when to dig your heels in and knowing when to let go mm-hmm. a little would be my advice for my younger self and party less. Good God. (laughs) My twenties were a hoot. (laughs) Well, you're having singles back to back. So yeah, I know spending all that hit money at the red door. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow, that's crazy. So what about like something that never got cut, say a soft hold or like you're an idiot if you don't cut this song? Um, well, I've got so many of them. I've been writing here for, (laughs) shit, I just realized I've been here for 19 years. That's crazy. 19 years. That's nuts. Um, Like what song in particular? Well, you sent us. Yeah. You you sent us like two songs, right? Yeah. So Moments, Moments I think is a smash. I think it's a big life song. It went really far down the line with Blake Shelton and then he didn't cut it. Hmm. I've had that happen with Blake specifically. It was so close to you all. It was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to get it. I'm going to get Blake cut. And his people loved it. Well, if Blake is listening right now, it's still still a chance. Yeah. Still waiting for you. Still available. Still available. She's not waiting by the phone, but her number is. (laughs) (laughs) And how, who, who was uh, giving you the, the, the report back that, 
it was going down the line? Was it coming from Scott? Scott. Scott. Scott Hendricks. So Scott was a champion of the song. Scott Hendricks loves it. Wow. Yeah. And I wrote for Scott for six years when I first moved to town and he hated everything and he owned the publishing. So I finally had a song 18 years later (laughs) that he's like, this is a hit. I love it. I'm sending it to Blake. And I was like, holy shit, it's happening. Yeah. What was the name of the publishing company? Tractor? Big Tractor. Big Tractor, yeah. 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 Dan Huff, we have an episode with him and he had a publishing company Mm -hmm. and said that his publishing team was frustrated because he wouldn't cut any of the songs. Yeah, same with Scott. And Scott, I think there's the idea was, you know, with a with a producer publishing company. It's like is, a pipeline is to pi- Yeah, pipeline to records. And then I've heard several situations where I think a lot of times the producer doesn't want to look like he's greedy, greedy and double yeah. dipping. And so yeah. it's like the song has to be like, you know. No well, my sister-in-law yeah. Leah was signed to Mark Bright for years to My Good Girl and... I don't know if she ever got a cut on one of Mark's records. Yeah. Well, Jesus Take the Wheel came out of that publishing entity, but that's, that's such a little a, different. An undeniable <laughs> song. Like, yeah. It's like song of the year. It's a, so it can mm-hmm. be tough because I think producers start with the best of intentions and then when they get into it, either they just don't like the songs they publish or what. But yeah. so 18 years later, you finally have the Yeah. I the finally redemption had the he, seal of approval, the validation from yeah. Scott Hendricks that I wrote a really good one. Yeah. And then we missed our opportunity Didn't with happen. Keith because it oh, was Keith? on. Keith liked it, oh, really wow. liked it. Um, and he was like, but I know it's on hold, so let me know if it comes off hold. So by the time it came off hold, Keith was done cutting. Mm. So Blake's on my shit list. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, you could get her If you're her listening, off, Blake. You could get off her shit list if redeem. you just cut moments. And let's play a little snippet of moments on the Uncut Gems podcast. If I'd have known the last time was the last time Would have spun around, put the phone down Soaked up every minute While we were in it if I'd have known goodbye, really meant goodbye You bet I, bet I would have said I love you Just to hear you say it too But coulda, shoulda, wouldas and regrets are useless That's the thing about moments you Picture frame ain't the same Can't hug someone much as you wanna Through an eight by ten Hear them laugh again Feel their touch There's some things you can't bottle
hourglass on its head, they're useless. That's the thing about moments, you can't get them back. They're here and they're gone like that, leaving you asking. That's awesome. That's a great song. Thank you. I could hear Dan and Shay doing that. Yes, me too. Yeah. Did you pitch it to them? Um, I believe we did, but I think they're writing most of their stuff. So who's singing the demo? Abram Dean. I don't know who that is. He's a little 26-year-old. Um, it's funny that we Warner call 26 Chapel. little now. I know. <laughs> Good God. He's, he's a grown man. Yeah, he's <laughs> so he talented. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, like, we should text Keith and just say, hey, remember that song you had on hold? That's so good. I just heard I it. And it still sounds, that's the thing about great songwriting is that it almost like shines through a demo that could feel dated. Mm-hmm. You know, a great song will always feel relevant mm-hmm. regardless of the track. Totally. And, and I'm not saying the track feels dated. I'm just saying like. In, well, it's stylized in, a little bit more. It has a time stamp on it uh-huh. with the little. Yeah. Exhale sample or whatever at the yeah. top. You know, whenever... The fact that you know it's exhale, time stamps it. Well, if it's exhale-ish. Maybe it is exhale, maybe it's not. But you, I think that's the thing. When you do a demo and you put something really modern in it yeah. right now, then 10 years later you go to pitch the song and it's like, yeah. oh, that sounds like mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah, so what you're saying is I should re-demo it. No, <laughs> no, no. Did you the do song, the demo? No. The song can Andy. shine. What Kevin's saying is the song shines through that's, that That was my time. point. That's, um, that's a fantastic, I mean, that it's amazing. That's an uncut gem for sure. Thank you. Yeah. So Dan and Shay, Keith. Keith. Mm-hmm. I hear Keith on it. I mean, I yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds more like Keith than Blake to me. I know. I'm with you. And then you wrote it with Joe Don. Uh-huh. So was it... Before was the it flats break up. contender for flats. Um, okay. It was Because Gary could pot- sing the snot out of that, exactly. too. Um, aren't they, aren't they, they broke they, up. They broke up, though. Yeah. But Joe Don left the band, right? Uh-huh. But okay. Gary's still cutting. And he's... Yeah. I, I, You know, Kevin and I worked on a song for Gary. Um, well, you produced it. I just played guitar. Well, we worked on it together. <laughs> yes. Technically, <laughs> we worked on it. I didn't want to brag that I was your boss for that song. Uh, it's not like you were here when I cut the guitar. You two bicker <laughs> like a married couple. Oh, yeah. Brandon, Brandon calls him my work wife. Yeah. Um, but who else? I mean, man, that's a... Who's a... Uh, Noah... Schnacky. Schnacky. He's got... He could cut that. Yeah. Um, well, we're not trying to A&R your record here. We're, hey, no, go, but I mean, go the, for it. That, it's, I mean, it's I, got a lot of opportunities is what yeah. I think he's saying. Anybody yeah. could cut it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Um, yeah. That's And that's, that song, uh, that song will get cut. And then when we listen back to the podcast, we'll be like, oh, isn't it cute that they were worried about that song? Because now it's a number one. Yay. Four week number one. Oh, they thought Keith was going to cut it. <laughs> Thank to be an artist we don't we've never even heard It'll be of someone yeah. new someone yeah. new but that's honestly that's the best way to yeah. me like if you can have the song that breaks an artist and defines the artist it's always the biggest win for me Ooh, yeah. Brett Young would do a good job on that one yeah he would his voice it's the guy uh, Dan was talking about he loves his 
the tone of his voice. Yeah. And the other, he's from California, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Southern he California. He's a Cali So I guess boy. technically the South. Yeah. So Cal. Southern. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, that's so good. What a great example of what this whole thing is about. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. This is the, probably the best example, no offense to anyone else, but it's probably the best example of a song that is an undeniable hit for several artists and has not been cut. Mm-hmm. I'd, I brilliant. would just say that it just hasn't found its home and it's not its time yet. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. I'm also... I'm not the girl that writes a song on Tuesday and gets the cut on Wednesday. I'm a little bit of uh, more of a long hauler. So I had a Chase Rice song. He just recorded. It was five years old. Yeah. You know, I'm that writer. So I believe it will get cut and I believe it will be a big fat. I'm manifesting CMA, (laughs) Grammy, song of the year stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and now we just, you know, be proactive about the pitching of it and stay with it, stick with it. But Who's your publisher? Deluge Music. Who's the who's your point person? Stephanie Green. Okay, Stephanie, pitch the snot out of the song, okay? <laughs> if you're listening to this, <laughs> pitch the snot out of this song. <laughs> Again. There. That's awesome. That should yeah. do it. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> well, and I think that, I mean, yeah, I try and... Yeah, that, I don't try know. and beat that. Yeah, try and beat that. <laughs> so, can you put a finger on what it is about your journey that makes you feel like you won't get the cut on Wednesday? Is that just how things normally happen for you, or do you think there's something about the songs? Do they carry enough weight where it takes a while for the town to digest what you're saying, or you know what yeah. what is it about your journey that makes you feel like that? That's a great question. Um, honestly, my writing stylistically has. And I don't mean to sound like I'm tooting my own horn or whatever or feeling or full of myself, but it's always been a little ahead of the curb. So yeah. sometimes it takes some time for people yeah. to catch up to like speakers with Sam Hunt. That song was six years old before he cut it. No way. Uh-huh. And when it came out, it felt fresh and edgy. So yeah. imagine how it felt six years before that. It's, it would have been an true. alien on an alien planet. Yeah. From I mean, Nashville. Yeah. I mean, Angie Aparo, right? We've used this reference, but Angie's going to be on the podcast I love coming him. up. And he wrote Cry like 12 years before Faith cut oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Speakers and, was six years old when, yeah. you, when, when, when he cut when it. He cut it? Mm-hmm. Whoa. That blows my mind because it did sound like, oh, this is what's happening right now in yeah. Nashville. Well, I mean, Whiskey yeah. Glasses was five years old before it went number one. My goodness. Yeah. You guys are patient. So I would have quit by then. (laughs) (laughs) I have thought about it many times. (laughs) I think the key for me has always been like, once you write the song and it leaves your door, you really have no control over what happens. No control. And trying to have control is like a waste of time. Yeah. So it's not like we care that it's five years old. We're just happy that somebody's listening to it still five years later, I think. Well, I think that that's as uncut gem as they get. And... We're so you, happy it should just it, yeah. be a mic drop moment for you. And we just end the podcast with you saying, yeah, that's a great song. And beat, you'd be like, <laughs> beat that bitch. Beat that bitch. <laughs> In my best American accent. Yeah, it's good. I asked her to do an American accent before and she like default to a Southern accent. I and did. Can you do a New York accent? No. Is that, is Forget that like, about it. like Jimmy, get the car. Well, that's, that's more Boston. Boston. That's like the easy one for me is pack the can, the hey, yeah. I'm walking here. Is that pretty good? That's pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sounded great. Well, thank you so much for being 
part of this and for being here on this episode. We are grateful for your time and for your massively cool song that you brought. So Thanks for having me, friends. Cheers. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. I appreciate it. Right Ladies on. and gentlemen, Kylie Sackley. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Uncut Gems Podcast. We can't forget to thank CAA, our production coordinator, Jason Campbell, and all the songwriters for sharing their story. And remember, the only people who don't make it are the ones who quit. So keep writing, and we'll see you next time on the Uncut Gems Podcast.